Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. Hi, I'm Orla Minas. And welcome to the last episode of the recommendation game. Well, the last one for a while. Yes, you better explain why. Uh, Orla is moving to Canada and yeah. abandoning us in the Emerald Isles. In case Isles. you didn't uh, get it in all the many references to Canada we brought up from the last one. Oh, like, Canada. Canada. Uh, so until she resettles and settles down and do all the wonderful things that you have to do when you move to a different country. Looking forward uh, to it. Not at all worried. And also have to uh, organize and arrange uh, setups to do a transatlantic. So yes, uh, transatlantic sounds so great, though. Yeah. <laughs> this will like... be uh, a, a episode, the last episode until we come back after an extended sabbatical. Yes, sabbatical. Yes. Uh, so uh, you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio, uh, and this week's film was chosen by you, Orla. You didn't say what we do, though. Oh yeah, we are <laughs> film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person haven't seen. We watch it separately, and then we meet to discuss it. Uh, this week's film was chosen by Orla. Uh, it is Lean on Pete from 2017. Uh, it, it, the synopsis is Charlie, a teen living with his single father, finds work caring for an aging racehorse <laughs> named Lean on Pete. When he learns Pete is bound for slaughter, he's going to the glue factory. <laughs> no, he's going to Mexico. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that line in the in the, um, Breaking Bad when Saul is like, you know, do you want me to book him in a trip to Belize? <laughs> that is like the. the <laughs> You want a criminal lawyer. When he learns speed is bound for the glue factory, the two embark on an odyssey across the new American frontier in search of a place to call home. So the movie was directed by Andrew Haig, uh, multiple offender now. Haig? I'm not Haig. sure. Yeah. Well, like, uh, I presume because uh, uh, the general in World War One that I was called <laughs> Sir Douglas Haig. So <laughs> it's pronounced the same way, I presume. Pacifist. Pacifist Ricardo Deacon. Uh, directed by Andrew Haig, produced by... Well, like, uh, I s- say the name uh, uh, fucking Sir Douglas Haig in spite because he was an absolute fucking monster. So. All right. Direct. It's not like I'm not the like part. Of, like you know, like when people go like Lord Kitchener, and it's like you know that he invented the concentration camp. All right, let's take a dark turn. So, uh, Bring it by back. Andrew Haig, produced by Tristan Colliger, screenplay by Andrew Haig, based on Lean on Pete by Willie Vlotten, starring Charlie Plummer, Chloe Savini, Travis Fimmel, Steve Buscemi. Music by James Edward Barker. Cinematography by Magnus Dujoink. And edited by Jonathan Alberts. Uh, so, Orla, why did you pick Lean on P when you're not strong? When you're run over, <laughs> you um, will die in Mexico. Um, well, it goes like Arizona, <laughs> but sure. Montana, maybe. Yeah, uh, well, that's, it felt like, um, you know, it was the perfect end to our current current chapter. Not end, end. This is not a real end. Um yeah, like not just because it's it's like nicely bookended by Andrew Haig movies, but um, I think because we, we both really like Andrew Haig as a director and everything that he's done. Well, the one movie that he did in between the two movies that we did. Um, yeah, like the, I remember whenever we uh, you first uh, decided or you first remembered that uh, the theme that you wanted for our podcast a year later um, and you came to me and you're like, yeah, this is the idea. And I was like, that's brilliant. But like, 
what movies am I going to pick? Like, that sounds impossible. I'll never be able to come up with, you know, never mind half of 129. Not quite half, but, you know. Um, and yeah, and I remember I was like, actually, no, I know I know what my first pick's going to be. It's going to be Weekend. And, like, there's a reason why I picked that film and why, like, I recommend that film to people a lot. Like, I still do it because... I remember seeing it and just being like really like lo- loving that movie because I, I think it is a brilliant movie but also just being like we do a lot of um we do a lot of first time directors and seeing someone and going I really want to see what you do next and then I remember when four or five years came out and just being like you know oh god you know really like you know, really good reviews and stuff and putting it on and being like you know what well, you know, am I going to love this and fucking being bowled over by it like that I I really 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 love that movie and I watched it um I think like the night before I went home for Christmas uh and then I went home at Christmas and made everybody in the family watch it um I think everybody really liked it I think except I think sister Claire I think because she couldn't get over how annoying um the male character was but um just like like, there was a nun there (laughs) sister Claire yeah you know my 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 sister you know um yeah so (laughs) She's out in the missions in Canada. Um, yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, and just like, I mean, the ending of 45 Years is is something that you, it's impossible to explain to people who have never seen the movie. You just have to, you just you just have to watch it. And I would advise anyone, even if you haven't seen Weekend, you haven't seen Eden Pete, you know nothing about Andrew Haig, just go and watch 45 Years. Like, it's like a solid, I'm fairly sure that's a 90 minute movie as well. Like, he doesn't overstay his welcome. Um but yeah, like he really, he really is one of my my favorite directors, like of the last couple of years, and um, like I'm always, um, I think I, he just he has like such a particular kind of observational sort of naturalistic style, and like he, the way he leaves scenes, like he, I mean, even in Weekend as well, like it's quite ambitious what he did, um, despite being a very small movie, it's a very small story. Like, it's quite ambitious the way for a first-time direct... Well, that wasn't actually his first direct... But anyways... But uh, what the fuck is the name of his first movie? I remember I was talking about it at the time. It's called Andrew Haig's first movie. Yeah. uh, Yeah, circa 2008, I think. But, um, yeah, like, just of leaving scenes, um, letting them unfold, like, often in wide shots from a distance of just letting characters exist in spaces... And I really, really love how he shoots people just in like kitchens and stuff. Because obviously there's a lot, like there's an awful lot of that in Weekend. Most of that movie, like the real meat of that film takes place either in his flat or them like walking it's about. It's called Greek it. Pete, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Um, do you have a synopsis there? Male prostitute in London discuss their profession and sense of solidarity, but it's like a docudrama. Oh, interesting i need to lock that up um but yeah like obviously 45 years is similar in how so much of that movie takes place in their kitchen just in their sitting room just sitting around talking just characters in spaces and it's the kind of thing that can be incredibly uncinematic or not engaging at all but he handles it incredibly well and it's a combination of blocking acting you know it's it's sort of it's the whole package um, but yeah, like there, there are scenes in this that kind of mirrored those shots in other movies, in his other movies as well. Like, especially like, I really, really love that scene whenever he's in the kitchen with his dad and it's where he tells him about like, um, uh, waitresses and everything and all the best women have been waitresses and, you know, like this incredibly, incredibly useless male advice. But, um, but yeah, um, I think this, it's an interesting film. Like even when I was saying about like this, you know, his films before this being kind of small stories, it's obviously a much more expansive, even just of where it's, 
um, the location and stuff like the, his first film outside of America um, is his first adaptation as well like it's based on a book um, but yeah I think like it's it's an interesting film because even though so much of it you see his style it still feels different in certain ways I think which is quite interesting but um, yeah like we talk a lot about like landscape and location and um, it's it's funny I was thinking a lot about um American Honey and how she, like her vision and um like exploration of like you know the American dream and the American landscape and road trips and everything and how she kind of looks at it and I think he manages to do it um in a really interesting way not just because I saw a lot in reviews where people are like um like oh he's like tackling poverty in a way that that's the side of America that no one ever sees and I don't think that's true at all I think this is the side of America that not, like not just in the films we've chosen we've talked about but also that it's you more see like a the lot side of America but, that a lot of people don't want to see yes but also I think it is explored often not well and in a rather like cliched way of like you know uh, and even like just like you know prostitutes with a heart of gold and all this you know like there are there are tropes that exist in this because it is a side of America that it is explored not all always brilliantly so um i think what i i like about the way he handles it it's like because a lot of like for a lot of this movie charlie is like properly properly in trouble like he he's down to the last and you believe it it's not like um it's not movie cancer (laughs) you know what i mean like there he's it's something like there's something about that in films and tv is that when you watch a movie so bad that gives you (laughs) yes um (laughs) Michael Bay movies. Michael Bay movies give you cancer. Um, not really. They just pour you. Allegedly. <laughs> the, the attorneys of the podcast say, yeah. say allegedly. We well, maybe record every week with our um, our lawyers sitting on the yeah. on the bed beside us, just um, furiously <laughs> taking down notes and then holding up signs. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's just got to plead the fifth. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I talking about? Um, yeah he doesn't shy away from the it's like it feels like the true desperation and poverty of it that i like you appreciate because it shows the true grit of the situation very nice um he threw me off with that terrible sentence um yeah he doesn't he doesn't shy away from it you you feel like the character needs to feel as if he's in real danger and um i think you do i think the movie is kind of driven by that uh and it's also driven definitely by plumber's performance like god he just he's you know someone where they're just like made for the screen like he has such an engaging face because he's in almost every shot of this movie a lot of the time just doing things like you know tidying up like stalls with the horses or whatever like he's just wandering around and you're following him the whole way through it and he's on like this never-ending quest just like all he wants is stability and support and like in the end he's just he steals a horse to almost just like steal it for himself of just you know trying to get some kind of constant in his life and um uh yeah and obviously everyone that he encounters is like from his father or um like Steve Buscemi's character whatever like they all let him down in some fashion even if they don't realize they are uh even if they don't intend to like even like his father dying and there's another way of him letting him down even though like you know 
he obviously didn't want to die. But um, what I like about the film is the lack of um, really, truly bad characters. Like everyone, they're kind of, everyone he comes into contact with, everyone he has, in, like, a, an, even if it's a short time or like from like family members or whatever, they're all, they are trying to help him. They mean well. They're not, there's no real malicious characters in this, but they're all either ill-equipped or, you know, never thought they were going to be in this situation, like Steve Buscemi or Chloe Savini. Savini? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that's not right, though. I don't know why. Savini. Okay. Chloe Savini. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, like they're, all, like, they're all trying to help him, but they're all kind of trapped in their own struggles. And you see it, you, like, like the waitress, where, you know, you barely see her. Like, she's barely in the film, but you completely understand why she would be annoyed at this because that's you know her tips blah 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 she's going to get in trouble but also why she lets him go like why people look at charlie and want to help him because he is so like it's saying that he's helpless is kind of makes him sound feckless because you know he's kind of looking after himself even though he's only 15 but um you understand why people look at him and go oh jesus (laughs) you know i need to help this kid like this is a good kid he just needs a bit of a a bit of a steer like a steer and the way of um and the way of um uh like that scene let's get all the horse puns out of the way (laughs) steer's not horse though it is is it yeah for some reason i thought steer was cows maybe yeah Yeah. (laughs) that shows how much we know they're all the uh, same uh, (laughs) livestock um you horses aren't livestock though anyways yeah so <laughs> um yeah like that scene whenever they're in the diner and um steve is kind of look at him like did no one ever show you table manners and he's just like no and he's like you know you learn so much about charlie there and you see steve buscemi kind of going oh <laughs> i understand now and this is a man who you know clearly didn't have a you know a smooth path through life you, you know he's not he's not like he was now you can't look at that character and go like you were never privileged but at the same time he clearly had enough support in his life by someone to show him how to like have table honors which is such a basic thing um but yeah i i really like chloe Can you say something well, like I was thinking that just the, the Steve Buscemi one is that like it seems to me in the movie that everything that has gone wrong in his life is kind of his own downfall. Yeah. Well, like it, it's not that he was fighting against like already of uh, losing perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he's kind of bitter more than anything. Mm. Too. So there's all like bad investments, bad career path. And it's like, oh, I... If I hadn't already spent so much money on horses, I would be out of the game kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just his idea of, like, get rich quick scheme or something. Was... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like Chloe Savini. Like, I always, I don't, I always kind of forget about her. Like, it's funny how I would, you know, I'd look at a movie and even something like um, The Dead Don't Die and go like, oh, yeah, I love Adam Driver. Oh, yeah, Bill Murray, you know. And he, but that looks you, awful as a... No, I totally want to see it, though. Um, but <laughs> like, no, I will watch Adam Driver do anything. I will especially watch Adam Driver drive a smart car. Um, <laughs> like, he's a big man. I fucking love Adam Driver. Um but uh yeah but you know you look at a movie like that and you go oh yeah and chloe savini's in it but she's so great and she shows up in things and i'm like oh so like she's so good in this like she she picks really interesting roles and it kind of watching this film really makes me want to like pay more attention to her because she's really great and she's really good in this um but uh yeah like i mean 
Plummer, I didn't really know anything about him. I'd never seen him in anything. Um, I don't think, anyways. Like, he, I mean, he hasn't done... I think he's been acting for, like, a while. He's been in a few things, but... Yeah, like, he, uh, I see him in one or the movie called Not to Fade Away that is uh, from David Chase, the guy that did The Sopranos. And yeah. it's... Uh, uh, I wouldn't pick it for the podcast because it is a very, like, up-and-down movie, mm. per se. But it is a movie that... I'd recommend people to to watch it, it, just purely because of the concept it is so clever. It's like a uh, the uh, like a biography or like biopic of a band that yeah. never quite makes it, but it takes its uh, uh, key elements from movies from let's say like oh, how the Beatles became great or how the Doors became you know like the standard biopic yeah the, and they all and, theme you know like those scenes when people meet each other for the first yeah. time and it's like oh, and, and it's then. and it takes the same approach to filmmaking but it's a band that doesn't go anywhere yeah. and it's the idea that is like that idea of uh, similarly to Inside Lewin Davis and I think the Coens were inspired by it that it's the idea that the only difference between success and failure is a very fine line because mm. talent has nothing to do with it yeah. Is the the Big Star story? The Big Star is one of the most influential bands ever. And when the singer died in the pa- local papers, it says "son of funeral home director died in car crash." Instead of like God. one of the guys that like completely influenced music afterwards, but his influence because the people that like even REM and stuff got mm. into music because of Big Star. So it's like this idea of who becomes the star and who doesn't has nothing to do about talent but also is that everybody takes the same approach before you're famous yeah that you have to have this idea of grandeur that you're gonna be the big band at the end that you have the talent to get there mm. but 90 percent of the bands that feel that way don't get there but yeah like i think that like he's fairly young in it uh, i don't like he's a bit part but mm. i just remember that he's in it i saw it sometime somewhere, yeah but. i really i really want to see him in more things now because i'm just like yeah like that i mean the, oh god just his face and his voice and everything like he's i like think he's a real like special find um yeah like i i, I really i just really like this film um like even just his visual style and kind of the the real lack of close-ups and stuff and the the kind of impact of them whenever you have them um so yeah i i really love andrew haig and uh i thought this would be a uh an interesting sort of finale but not really so ricardo what did you think well uh not to mince my words and uh, i i did really like it uh i think that is not as good as 45 years mm. and I'd agree with that. and i do think that it's a weird one because i think that uh as we discussed very badly in the first episode <laughs> the uh, weekend has one fatal flaw at the end of the movie but it's only yeah. like really one misstep i think this movie has more missteps but it's so i preferred it because it's trying to do more yeah let's say so uh even though like i'll get to the the issues i have with the movie i did really enjoy it and i don't think that any of them necessarily uh, dampen the experience but it's one of those things that when you put a looking glass through it and you try Mm -hmm. to analyze the movie you see you can see issues i think part of it is the it is an adaptation of a book and some, at times it feels that way, mm. narratively speaking. The, uh, in the book, you'd have more room to breathe and get into yeah. places and stuff. I think the guy who wrote the book 
had some part in the script as well. Um, yeah, like Andrew Hegg is a sole credit, mm. uh, but again, like WGA rules are notoriously complicated. Uh, for example, like uh, Moneyball, Dara Sorkin co-wrote the script with somebody else, yeah. but because they weren't sitting in the same room doing it, they were they were just sending drafts to each other. They got the co-writing credit, but not as a team. So they got the that is so like weird. the name of the person. Like if you see in credits, if it has the ambersand, it means that they worked as a team. If it has the word and, it means that uh, it was written like somebody wrote the draft and then somebody else wrote the draft. Yeah. So sometimes it's really weird, uh, like especially films that have been in the, uh, in development for years. You have like 15 screenwriters, but only like one really did the last draft is that they w- were working off previous dr- drafts. Yeah. They have like somebody's name and then and somebody ambersand somebody else and then <laughs> and somebody else kind of thing. And it's like if you don't know what's going on, it's... Uh, but like, uh, and also like you need to write a certain percentage of the words of dialogue and stuff like that yourself. Put mm. into like, like really Scott, uh, for example, in the uh, Kingdom of Heaven, he was sitting there and talking structured dialogue, character and everything with uh, William Monaghan, the guy that wrote Kingdom of Heaven. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't have the writing credit because he didn't write any of the words, but he created the screenplay in a way. <laughs> so... He has enough accolades. He's yeah. Not. And then you have like the weird shit about like uh, rules that like uh, not to disagree because I think that the the guilds in America are very important for giving writers and directors yeah. and actors the their rights and especially like uh, well, even when to, it comes like, to money and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but even to have that level of detail in the yeah. rules is, is important for... Yeah, like and then you have the famous one, like of the uh, director guilds of America. The uh, there used to be a time when if you were directing a movie and the studio took over or the producer took over and kicked you out of the production, yeah, uh, you could take your name off the film. Uh, but obviously, they had to replace that name with somebody. Mm. So they uh, put the name Alan Smithy in the movie. So there's loads of there's like list online that is like uh, ranked the movies <laughs> directed by Alan Smith. He's one of the most prolific directors uh, yeah. of our time. Well, like uh, uh, I think it started in the seventies that 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 process, and the because the rules together were so stringent, it couldn't be just that you didn't like the movie. Be, you had to prove that you lost control of the production, mm. etc. So uh, there's not that many films. There. I think Dennis Hopper has an Alan Smithy movie in there, but like that's not mm. too like unexpected. Uh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think that the most famous one was the last one because now they put different names, uh, like random names. Yeah. But is that there's a movie called a film by Alan Smithy that is uh, about a guy called Alan Smithy that goes to Hollywood to become a director, but nobody will give him a job because the cinematography <laughs> like that they associate with the name is so terrible. Uh, but that movie uh, took the name out of production because uh, its claim to fame is that the director lost the the control of the production in post-production. <laughs> so the movie actually earned the right to have the film directed by Alan Smithy. So it's a, a, the film is called Film by Alan Smithy, about Alan Smithy, directed by Alan Smithy. <laughs> and that's a uh, side note. But uh, coming back to Lean on Pete, uh, I think that also, like the... Um, the movie lives and dies by the, its central performance uh, of Charlie uh, Plummer. 
Uh, I think uh, the reason that I like him a lot is that it reminded me a lot of River Phoenix. Like, mm. uh, and it's sad that you can't say Young River Phoenix. Yeah, that is just River Phoenix. And again, like uh, it called like this movie called back to like a, a mixture or something like Paris, Texas. That is mm. like the journey is wi- within as well. That is mm. like it's a road trip, but really it's an internal trip. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the biggest distance is between two people uh, and then you have uh, something like Running on Empty that is about River Phoenix uh, growing up in a hippie family and about like culture and counterculture and the idea of like mm. poverty as well and uh, like even with his father in this in Lean on Pete that is like is it a choice to live th- that way that is like your idea of what's important in life is to have fun and Mm. like somebody that never grew up thinking like i'm gonna give my kid a future because i'm gonna give my kid a good time Mm. kind of uh idea but i did like that that performance and i did like uh, steve buscemi uh in particular as uh um, yeah he's great uh like again there's something that we mentioned in uh when we did the Florida project, uh, it's great when you get actors that are unknown or kind of non-actors and you get somebody that is quote-unquote a big Hollywood star and he's able to bed down there and just yep. be part of it and actually like disappear in the world as Buscemi does in this. Mm. Like, uh, Oh, I think they work together actually on Boardwalk Empire. I think Charlie Plummer is in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I think the because um, I think that was sort of his first big role, yeah. and he kind of that was sort of his introduction into like um, um, professional acting, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, so he kind of had a relationship with him before, which probably yeah, the Boardwalk Empire is also created by David Chase, so yeah. like could be a kind of a, a link there. So like yeah. he might be the the patron saint of Charlie Plummer. <laughs> But uh, like uh, Steve Buscemi, like is a very down to earth guy. That even like in nine eleven, he went back to the uh, ladder that he used to be a fireman, and then uh, went to help in the oper- salvage operations and stuff. Did he? Yeah, yeah like uh, there's like, know. and he didn't like really brag about it, or whatever. But uh, like he in the background does work for like firemen's rights and stuff. That mm. like you know how they yeah same. Mm. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I really like those parts and uh, I like the idea of uh, um, like uh, uh, about manhood in America and the th- uh, not only culturally, but what does it mean to like mm. go past like when you are turning from like 15 to 18, that is like you're discovering who you are and stuff and how you're uh, being linked completely to your background. Uh, like in America, mm. it's so important. But I think that like the... the the movie also reminded me of uh, Hello High Water. Mm, uh, yes. the idea of, like the 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 modern West, uh, as you will call it, the expanse and whatnot. But something that Hello High Water does better than this movie does. Well, let me put it this way: better, like because I liked the movie more than I disliked it. I'll say the side that I liked before yeah. the, the others. I like the idea of uh, Pete as a like not only an animal but as a narrative metaphor mm. of. Uh, um, what's the name of the character? Charlie's character. Charlie. Uh, Charlie. Okay. <laughs> He's called Charlie. The uh, the Pete is a metaphor for Charlie. They, that's mm. why he has to struggle to keep him alive and give him a future or whatever. Because his idea is that once you get marked as a has been or a never was, mm. like that's the end of the road for you. 
and he's equally damaged both physically and mentally rode too hard and stuff like there's a lot of like subtle kind of like mm. uh, metaphors being taken so I think in the personal level both as well how the characters are placed around Charlie to uh, demonstrate that and create without like hitting the hammer on the head what the <laughs> like the nail on the head like very obviously yeah and also leaving a certain level of ambiguity that like makes the ending particularly good yeah i really like the ending is that um that really binds the film together uh the part that they really i really had an issue with is when the road trip actually starts and you can yeah. see um the lack of time that's it's not only the, the lack of time, it's that before that happens and after the road trip ends and he goes to his aunt's house, mm. you can't see the narrative uh, architecture happening behind. Mm. It's similar to the issues that I had with the uh, wildlife, that there are periods in the movie that the, everything is happening and every, everything is being told to me yeah. without me realizing it that you have to like analyze it afterwards and to then get it, it becomes a but movie <laughs> it becomes like oh a b c d yeah. and it's something and that, it's all working but yeah. you see it yeah. yeah and the thing is that like hell or high water is even more of a movie but it hides that part of like the commentary about america way better but it's yeah because it's Hell or High Water is very consistent as yeah. well. Like, and I think that perhaps it, like, it, 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 it would be more noticeable if it was jumping between two like this is. Yeah. Um, I think that, again, like the, the part, like the episodic parts are, are far less interesting than the other parts because mm-hmm. the characters are so well drawn, even like with limited time before and afterwards they become kind of oh yeah you you have to do a purpose it's not like yeah. you don't feel like anybody there has an external life outside the movie mm. but like i can imagine steve buscemi going home and being alone like yeah, that that amazing scene with chloe savina so when he, they like send him off to go eat yeah and he rings the hospital and it's sad or whatever oh before i forget i have to add that there's one bit of adr in this movie that made me laugh my head out loud really? when there was like no reason for it and also uh it's like completely like not a moment that is funny uh, it took me out of the movie is when he's running away from the hospital yeah. when the, he gets told that his dad died and the doctor comes out after and the doctor comes out <laughs> after and he's running towards the horizon and you just hear like faintly leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> i just lost the like yeah. i was like oh my god that is yeah. hilarious it's so unnecessary and like the doctor thing is kind of silly yeah. anyways yeah like, like the worst doctor ever like <laughs> first thought that he's been telling somebody that oh yeah your dad croaked sorry <laughs> like yeah and putting my 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 filmmaker hat is clearly one of those bits that is like somebody like a producer somewhere yeah, sitting well, in the mm, editing suite and oh, it's like oh why is he running away let's add just a little yeah, yeah, yeah no like, it's, it's totally unnecessary there are so many moments in this film though where you're just like don't leave him he's yeah. gonna run yeah and then like they go oh sit in the car charlie i'll be right back and then charlie legs it and you're like obviously yeah you but, just find this runaway with a fucking horse but, th- but at the same time it, like i did laugh as well when the the, mm. the copper intervenes like don't leave and then he just legs it but it's like he's in the middle of nowhere <laughs> he's li- like on the same road as I the know. cars would be like how did they not like just find him again like you're running on gravel do you know how loud that is it's <laughs> not like that you can just like sneak out into the darkness or something uh again like the, the, like 
parts of that uh, as soon as he takes the horse away like i did appreciate that i when i started watching the movie was i thought there was gonna be like fucking uh gritty sea biscuit you know like uh, that's what i thought that the, where the movie was gonna go and i liked like in concept i like where the story goes yeah. in execution it, it, it feels again that it's like a book adaptation one in the beginning feels like a movie yeah. the, then it's like oh we had to put this bit of the book and then that bit like for example the steve zahn bit like i reckon that like in the book would be would have been like more room to breathe mm. and stuff like i i really didn't like that bit but i think that the but the performances are great and what I mean, happens i really like steve zahn like, yeah, yeah and the, what happens in the in, in itself i like mm. because it, it's not sentimental it's like realistic it's funny, though, there. otherwise like, usually you'd be like oh yeah then it's like the the bone with the heart of gold mm. see people are not so bad or whatever it's funny though how you're saying about like it feeling like a movie and you know we like establishing seat shots are there and mo- like usually they're constructed in a way that the person who the person's going to meet is very it's clear you know they're there you all you've already seen them whenever the person appears but most of the time you don't notice that that like you know this is being constructed because you're being shown something and yeah. this person's going to be important but the establishing shot for Steve Zahn when they're sitting at the table is so obvious yeah there's something about that shot that I don't like and it's because it's just like oh yeah obviously this is the next character you yeah. know what I mean and it feels really like conveyor but belt or something it also is like I think that the, the, the most offensive offending part and I think as well it's because of lack of time with the characters but again it's that the movie's only two hours long mm. is uh, whenever um uh pete goes to the two uh iraq war veterans and then like yeah. the really old, weird grandpa like uh, yeah, fucking papa a, john shows that up that was a bit kind of texas chainsaw Massacre. yeah and then you had like the the like the fat girl that like they have a moment uh together but it's like the movie's not really like defending her for being like yeah, was, like on her position it's, it's almost more like more just like an excuse for us to go oh that's nice that charlie's nice to women yeah <laughs> you know it was like and also it's kind of like oh yeah uh that she clearly says i have nobody left or whatever and i think it, it leans a little bit too much that it's like mm. yeah that's why i'm fat kind of thing rather than like it, it's just you know like she is a person a character mm. uh has dreams aspirations is what they say and the movie has done great lengths that everybody else has even the mm. waitress that is there with her his dad in the beginning of the movie she's a character oh, you know she's so great like yeah. uh, the two guys the the waitress and the owner in the restaurant uh, uh the manager in the restaurant mm. are great and i thought like when that's where the road trip starts really mm. and i thought when that started it's like okay fine i'm happy and then it mm. just devolves slowly into yeah, like mo- it that is like make me Iraq think. War- there was no need to uh. like just like, hit it on the head and then they t- yeah. start talking war stories and then the guy's like oh well, would you join the marines afterwards and it's like no like if there was more time in between to develop the characters too mm. like even for the the old guy that he's like really nice and then maybe like when he gets in a bit of like a bit of drink into him like, he's not even like the caricature way like in Hello, high water. They were mm. talking about like the waitress <clears throat> uh, that is like we have two things: steak, medium well, <laughs> and whatever, medium rare. I forgot that that's in that movie. She's so good. Yeah, it's such a Coen Brothers moment. Yeah, like, yeah. it's brilliant. So we the, can't give out no information. <laughs> I was like. Uh, 
Uh, steak medium rare, actually, uh, I like a medium. That wasn't a question. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, uh, something like that. Yeah. It's like you get away with it because it's clearly like meant to be like larger, like one of these characters that are larger mm. in their life. But this is meant to yeah, be like that, just. It's not that movie. Uh, yeah, it did. It did make me think of American Honey in that way as well. That some of the vignettes don't work as well as others. It feels because like, just the time is not there. And structurally, I think is that if this is the movie that it was gonna be, mm. is that it takes an hour for his his road trip to start. Yeah, I think he should have started way earlier because like there. But then you miss out on so much, so it's kind of. Yeah, but there's not that much because like if it was that you're getting to. Uh, like a redemption arc with Stephen Buscemi, Steve Buscemi or mm. or Chloe Savini, then, yeah. is that you need that time to to get there. But they're just there to disappoint him. Mm. So getting to know them better it doesn't make the disappointment bigger or lesser. Let's say. Mm. And also, it's like it is an hour. Like it's not yeah. like you you could have caught fifteen minutes of there somewhere because like it spends an awful lot of time establishing the world of racing and stuff like that. Mm. To not really none of that really matters. Like you could have just go like, oh, Pete has a, uh, is hobbling. He can't race. That's literally all you need to know. Mm. But they're talking about like how you get paid, how races are won. How the, like it's almost designed for the rest of the movie to be like a plot twist that that's not where the movie is going to go. Mm. And it's like, fine, like you still could have some of it, but not dedicate so much time yeah, about like how meets well. work and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and even though generally I like Chloe Savine, I, I wasn't a huge fan of her in this role. Oh. Uh, like, I think that... Some of her dialogue is a bit ropey. Yeah, I think that, that like it's part of the everything else. It feels very lived in. Mm. But for her, it feels like... Part of it as well, it's one of those things that is like, oh, look how weird, a woman jockey. And so much of her dialogue is to explain why she's allowed to be in the movie. Yeah. It's almost that, like, you know, fucking red being black in Shawshank Redemption is like one line, uh, perhaps because I'm Irish. Yeah. There you go. Like, if they go like, oh, uh, you're a woman in a jockey, and I go, oh, yeah, it's a tough Here's world out there. Entire, kind of, yeah, yeah mo- your mother was a jockey as well, and this and that. And, it, like, it feels that half the... She's not a character. She's trying to build a character, but it's more like the the script <laughs> is trying to... Conf- they get, and also, like, even the, her, when she's walking and talking to, to, to Pete, yeah. like, in my head, I was, again, going, like, and this is a... a perhaps in the book wouldn't be there because they had the room to breathe or whatever mm. is that it's like okay they're setting her up to be the person that you think will defend charlie and then she's gonna disappoint him the same way mm. because he's opening up to her blah 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 blah. and it felt that it was like well steve buscemi feels like somebody that is like greeting the background doing this <laughs> is that she, she never felt like somebody they actually fucking love doing what she was doing which she does yeah but at the same oh, time I don't know if I, mm. but i mean like i think that it, i maybe like i agree that her character isn't as well drawn as the yeah. others but i think she does a lot with it like she does uh quite a bit with it but i think that like being like where like again if she was in hell or high water would be like oh she's just one of the characters but like when you get she's let's say well like she feels like what Shia LaBeouf does in the American Honey like just to uh, create that that she feels like a character in the movie and everybody else is just mm. like trying to get through you American know 
and but it's not a completely egregious. It's it's mm. just uh It's not completely egregious. It, it just uh, uh, it just like it's not Marilyn Monroe in uh, <laughs> yeah in the fucking um, fucking asphalt movie. jungle yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it is more a a kind of. Yeah, it, it perhaps is a disappointment because I think she does so much when she has even less than this. Mm. Like even in something like Zodiac or something, you, she's meant to be just playing the fucking uh, yeah. the uh, the suffering wife. And also consider that David Fincher is not great when it comes to women. Really? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she's able to like go above the material to give that character a lot of life yeah. without having any help that anywhere. That woman has some of the best looks in that movie. Yeah. It is spectacular. And in this movie, she like I think that perhaps is... How can I put it? A lot of the performances outside, and I'm trying to like talk my way out of trouble let's say <laughs> not, not talk my way out of trouble like try to <laughs> to like rationalize why i feel this way is that a lot of the performances uh because haig uses uh really long shots like uh really uh, usually is on wide or whatever mm. i think that there's a reason even with like 45 years and stuff like that that he tends to uh to gravitate towards actors that are very uh well suited to theater uh-huh. because their performances are completely physical like charlie's performance is like completely physical steve buscemi like there's everything is about posture mm. and everything else oh he's so good at playing a teenager it's amazing and even like the dad and the, like everything that works in this movie is that way but like particularly in weekend and 45 years it's mm. like he owns the theater theatricality of his style and just like let it play out. let it play out and like uses it to make it cinematic as well mm-hmm. well like the, the scene that like calls attention to itself more than anything is when charlie and uh, uh chloe savine's character are walking and talking and yeah. and charlie has his hands in his pockets in this like really kind of like i'm not comfortable in the situation kind of small but big that kind of like awkward teenager thing that you don't mm. know uh you're having an adult's conversation with somebody and they're treating you like an adult but you're trying to sound like an adult but you don't know really how to do it and he's doing all of that with his body yeah and chloe savine is just winging her arms in this like really weird way like that you know when it's like even you get like somebody that is you know fucking predators is a example when you get fucking uh, the, you you get fucking <laughs> like the fucking 2000 the, and like yeah the 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 the, the movie where, with alan brody is he in that adrian brody adrian yeah brody, yeah that like precisely what i'm calling attention to <laughs> is that adrian brody in that movie is absolutely fucking built but he looks like somebody that has never been built before. Uh-huh. You know, like that. It's like you already have all the muscle. You don't have to walk around like a tough guy. Yeah. You know, the reason that fucking Schwarzenegger walked like a tough guy is because he was just like four muscles in here. Like he couldn't really like articulate, you know, like. like. He was just four muscles. Well, Adrian Brody is walking around like fucking... Because he's a gangly guy. He's very tall and very thin. He's ripped in that movie. But he's like flexing all the time. (laughs) And I think that uh, in that scene, it looks like that kind of like woman trying to walk like a dude kind of situation. And I think that would have been 
way like but also it's kind of like if she walked that way because it's like the world or whatever she would have walked away so like for her entire life so you wouldn't notice you yeah. know like that kind of like the way the hillary swank does in another movie of chloe savinas and like uh boys don't cry yeah that she kind of like embodies that kind of like dude's kind of walk or whatever or it's somebody that it, like i thought that it would have been more interesting that if she was still feminine mm. but it's like that she got her respect in the track or whatever but I don't have a problem with either because it's a comment and whatever. This but is this very is just specific. But this felt like acting. And also like let's get to the ending as well because I want to discuss it. I did like the ending, but mm-hmm. I didn't like particularly the scene when he's talking about the, the dreams and the nightmares or whichever. Um, yeah. I, I do like the scene like where it gets but i think that the it's missing a beat somewhere the 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 scene but because you don't know the aunt yeah and she's a little bit too, too perfect nice. and nice yeah like, like i think that it, it does the movie does earn her being nice because at no point otherwise i think if he'd gone through it and every you know he'd put all this hardship with horrible characters and horrible people that fuck him over whatever and then he gets to the end and lovely aunt comes along and it's all grand it would have felt really fake but because all none of the characters are truly bad that like everyone is in a way trying to help him in some fashion that when you get to the end her being just like nice and supportive is you know i i believe that and even that we've it's been planted before that we know that this woman tried to help and blah 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 so we know that she cares about charlie but at the same time it's just a little bit too like oh everything's gonna be perfect now charlie yeah and also it should be like oh if you're coming to live here it's gonna be this way this way this way also like setting the boundaries that he needs as a kid so it's not like oh it's just gonna be roses and peaches and rainbows roses and peaches and like uh, the 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 bit uh, uh also like i i was glad that i didn't do a fucking uh, uh perks of being a wallflower like sharp left turn that is like oh. the reason that because i was fearing that for the entire movie yeah the, Jesus. because it's like the that dad is, is such a weird movie god almighty the tunnel song Ugh, yeah fucking david boy <laughs> But we know the story behind that, so like, fair enough. But why would you pick that? Anyways. Again, I think that as a whole, the movie really holds together Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, does some really good things. Is that perhaps because, especially recently, there's been so many movies that have tried to approach that. Mm. And we've done a couple in the podcast that... uh, it's hard not to compare and contrast. And it's like Florida Project had its own issues and mm. uh, uh, American Honey had its own issues. But they're all like an interesting trilogy of like... Uh, yeah, uh, I did of, think of the Florida uh, Project a lot as well. They kind of, they slot together, I think. Yeah. Yeah, even if like kind of filmmakers that have similar approaches as well. Uh, I would recommend reading about uh, Andrea Arnold's loss of control of a little in uh, white, a little big white, little, li- big, big little lies. Yeah, what was that about? I saw um, Robbie Collin or someone tweeting about it, and I didn't yeah, it's that like it. they gave her season two to do, and they said that she had like complete creative control, and she shot it whatever way she wanted, whatever, and Dark. then it's great, <laughs> and then like, uh, but like narratively speaking, the she shot the scripts that like she was given or whatever. Yeah. And uh, then uh, when they came to post-production, uh, Jean-Marc Vallée, that directed the first season, came back and edit, took the edit off Andrea Arnold and just edited it without telling her that they were taking it over. And also it's the they were saying like, oh, it's because it doesn't match the show's style. But Andrea Arnold is saying, like, was saying, I never got a sh- like a style Bible. 
for yeah. the show they just told her shoot whatever you want but and why in fuck do you get Andrea Arnold to come in and then go oh Jesus it's because it's a misunderstanding of like both Jean-Marc Vallée and uh, David Kelly that they went oh their style are very similar because they shoot with natural light <laughs> naturalistic performances not getting that they're completely different <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting because as I was watching it I was like this looks like an Andrea movie, but it doesn't feel like one. And the thing is that like a lot of it was reshot, like about 40% of, like mm. they had to go and reshoot. And also like scenes. Also, I really the, don't like, it, I don't rate Meryl Streep at all. And yeah, just and, shoehorning her into the show is like. Ugh. And also there's a lot of scenes within the, the, the and the, the, it's the weird thing as well, because Reese Witherspoon and uh, Nicole Kimmon are executive producer yeah. in the show. And they went like, we go to bat for Andrea Arnold. She's our fearless leader or whatever. And then this shit happens and it's like why do you hire like after her track record just let her be she's never done tv you don't think like even no i think that oh that's bananas yeah like especially for big little lies because it did do something interesting in the first season like it wasn't like groundbreaking yeah, but, it, but, it, but even for the visuals it's kind of uh, the visuals of like the politics of it uh, mm. really like a show that is entirely about women empowerment and mm-hmm. then it's like a, a, mm-hmm. a, a woman loses control of her work <laughs> to um, the man that preceded her like yeah oh god ah it's so much worse than it's Andrea Arnold as well though because she's so great I love her like she's oh so uh, yeah even like, as a person she's fantastic like since that's uh, we so we had Jesus. mentioned Andrea Arnold a few times I just wanted yeah. to to put that in Ugh. so uh, very briefly because we're already over time uh, what's your uh favorite thing and as well like uh, I I think it's we've spoken some good stuff so yeah uh, well you mentioned to... a lot of you know even like river phoenix or like paris texas any of those things whenever you're bringing those up in you know comparison but you know like sort of side by side rather than um which is a great movie uh directed by yeah. Keanu Reeves. but um <laughs> um yeah i think it's charlie Plummer. i think um because as you're saying like the movie really does live and die on his performance and it's definitely true what you're saying about the physicality of it like he just like I, there's a cause that was like there's a lot of scenes in this where he's kind of like trying to work through something that just happened to him but there's one scene in particular where um he's in the bathroom or something and it's the way he stands and the way he holds himself it's just he really like it's required in a movie like this of someone who really can embody this this scene you know like can like it's not even about like standing out or being like you know like beautiful or whatever it's about having presence and he really really does and obviously someone like Steve Buscemi obviously has presence but presence that doesn't overshadow the movie either yeah. so like um so even like saying the, the Florida project as well of how um uh Willem Dafoe like he's just he's just in that movie you completely believe him as the owner of that motel you know what I mean it's like it's and in this you completely buy Steve Buscemi but at the same time like there's there's no overshadowing of, of Charlie Plummer he has there's such a like assurance to what he's doing and like they're saying you should listen to that interview or other interviews with him because he comes across so well like he's, he seems really intelligent um and just like a nice kid as well and I think um the way because like like so many of Andrew Hayes I hate being old enough to like point at a 20 year old and <laughs> like he's a nice kid <laughs> yeah it's depressing but you, yeah uh, well this as well like he's 20 he didn't look 20 you know like he's very he looks very young uh, I don't know what he's doing next actually but um, I must uh, keep an eye out for him because he's great what's your favourite thing I think is um, 
combination of cinematography and uh, it's uh, one of those films that won't get too many plaudits about cinematography but i think it has a very consistent style that is both not showy but also very i need to check but i think it is the same guy from weekend i'm pretty sure it's a guy he's worked with before maybe not in all of them but at least one of them and i think it's uh it's you know it's one of those things that it's hard because if you shoot anything it kind of tends to glorify it Mm. you know what i mean you point a camera at something and it's like because you're used to watching the cinema whatever and you if you make it look good as well yeah it tends to say and he threads that fine line that everywhere like it's very pleasing on the eye and it looks like inviting and warm but at the same time i think it's the part of you don't want to go there though yeah but at the same time it's like i think that the perfect example of how good a cinematography is is about uh, in in the way of like feeling is Mm. that when they're in the house even at night with his dad uh it, it feels like just oh yeah you're in a working neighborhood or whatever but everything but it's fine whatever mm. and when he's running away and the dogs start barking whatever it feels like so central la mm. because it, you're inside the character's head yeah um and uh, like uh, the scenes in the desert were great or whatever but i think it's like a combination of both like uh, i do think like the movie like if charlie Plummer's performance wasn't great the the like the film is like completely attacked on it Mm. and again like we like the many times that we've talked about films that are like that that (laughs) uh the director or producer must be like have been like searching for ages like fucking turn their heads it's like we're gonna fail because we need this actor and then they walk in and you're like you imagine that there must have been yeah that kind of sigh that kind of like the weight has been lifted off your shoulders and stuff it's like okay we can work the movie's gonna work uh what's your least favorite thing um probably the the more episodic bits um kind of like the final third i think the movie does bring itself back completely by with the ending because it's, it's really brilliant and like there are elements of it i like you know because again terry Plummer is great the people who are in those like performances are great like you know the, the army vets and um uh, like the homeless you know like even like the girl who plays um what do you call them get girlfriend or whatever like she's great you know but it just after the, the like the first hour or whatever even longer than that it's so it's it's slightly different film it kind of becomes a bit more i don't know like this is the road trip section or something and yeah it's yeah. like it doesn't it's not as if like once you get to that section of the film you're like Ugh, but it's just like uh, you know it yeah just, it doesn't you know you, you get carried along because the elements of it are good but it's just it's not as engaging as the rest of the film so that's probably it what's your least favorite thing uh probably that that it turns into like it could be either the it turns episodic like far too early in the uh, too late Mm. in the movie or like if it was going to be an episodic movie that it could be the it started episodic like because like there's the mentions of his like family moving around all the time or whatever and then like the biggest episode is when he gets with pete in the middle yeah so like the structure of the movie is always the same kind of thing so you wouldn't notice the break kind of thing yeah and then like even like there was opportunity there as well because like the the parts within 
him getting to know Pete or whatever is very uh, like if you jumped a bit of more time in between sections, it mm. would feel episodic as well. That is like now they're in the rodeo, now they're here, yeah. now they're there. But because it takes over like two weeks or something, mm. and like oh, we're gonna go to a rodeo, and then you're with them all the way to the rodeo, and mm. then you're with them on the way back, and then you're with them with this or that that it doesn't feel episodic it feels more like a narrative uh, like a a, com- a normal narrative mm. and then it felt a little bit out of place because obviously when you turn into episodic narrative it's like you live by, by the nature of each episode and also there's not enough episodes to be able to be subtle about what each episode is meant to mm. mean but again I, like it's one of those things that i wish there was like a tv miniseries yeah we haven't said that in a while but i would agree with that because yeah. even what you were saying of like it spends too much time learning about the horses when we don't really need to at the same time i was like yeah but i enjoyed it too interesting <laughs> did you ever hear about the tv show lucky i think it was a david chase show as well that was about horse racing in tennessee no and they had to give out give up production because uh um uh the horses kept dying and stuff it was oh. like a HP, HBO show with uh, Dustin Hoffman was in it. It was like one of the first kind of like trying to get like a marquee actor, mm. like Hollywood star to be in it. We owe James, David Chase a lot. <laughs> like I think it's David Chase. Uh, I'm not too familiar with it. One second. Like I def- find it uh, funny that the the guy, the, the the actor playing the dad looks like an extra out of fucking Sons of Anarchy or something. <laughs> you know, like, uh, he, oh, God, what a show. He, he looks like Charlie Humnan's... Uh, Charlie Humdrum. Uh, Humdrum's, uh, like, a stunt double or something, you know, like <laughs> yeah, the guy that is actually, know. like, the, the actual guy that knows how to ride a motorcycle or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, no, I, I am glad that you liked it, though. Um, it would have been kind of disappointing at the very, very end if you hadn't been like... Oh, yeah, like, it could be... Uh... <laughs> no, but even because, like, where were we? We were out in the Lord Edward that night and it never occurred to me. And I was like, actually, that's perfect. And I was like, no, no, I, I knew that you were going to like it. I just, you know, kind of, you've a lot of the same reservations I do, I think, so... Um, but yeah, I just I love Andrew Haig. I just want more from him. Yeah, like, uh, I like more more films of his. It's like, it, it is... As they say, when they, it's like his missteps to be the successes of other movies, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, like I'm looking forward to where his career goes and yeah. stuff. Like, um, yeah, I think I don't know if like if Lee and Pete did well or or what, but well, like it did well it critically well, and yeah, it was well regarded. Like, like so. it's a movie that clearly didn't cost a lot. So like no. you're you're more when it's a movie like that like of course if you make a lot of money nobody's gonna complain yeah. but at the same time it's uh, designed more than anything as a prestige project for mm. the production company or whatever so it's fine like yeah. it did what it needed it's to a, do it's that like it's an the... A24 maybe that wasn't actually an A24 yeah <laughs> so um, or like where can they find us uh, uh, where they can check <laughs> on news and stuff until you 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 settle down uh, until I get my glamorous condo in Toronto and my amazing job um <laughs> Fingers and toes crossed. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, the recommendation game, where we recently got to a hundred likes. 
you can thank our good friend James Vanderval for that because uh, he finally <laughs> prompted him to like us and we got over the 100% so uh, or over the 100 likes I was very excited when that happened but um, yes yeah, so you can find us on Twitter at the rec game you can email us at the recommendation game at gmail.com you can find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and you can listen to our repeats on Dublin Digital Radios on Mondays from 11 to 12 uh, I was just checking with them and that's okay um, yeah so um, uh, next month's dish, next, uh, 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 whenever uh, is uh, it won't be next year it'll be next, yeah, sometime yeah. Uh, probably September sometime yeah. we'll, we'll come back we'll and, be, uh, and also we had to discuss if it's going to be weekly bi-weekly mm-hmm. etc but uh, we will be back yes um, yes the, well that next choice is Ricardo so Ricardo yeah. what are you picking Shin Godzilla <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> great. I hope it's on Netflix. Uh, well, yeah. Un- until then. Um, Canadian Netflix. I yes, I was, I was, and still am. Or I was, and I still will be. Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week, ish. Maybe. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs>